Whether we come to the portion of the study of the real God, where we talk about the sovereignty of God. Hey, there's a, such a deep, deep subject. And when we think about it, we come to realize that that statement is really true, that there really is no God like our God. In fact, there's really no God besides our God. You know, God himself says that. Let, let me read to you Isaiah chapter 44. says, this is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. <laughs> Did you hear that? God says, if there's anyone like me, let him stand up and say so. Nothing. <laughs> He says, there is no God apart from me. Who is like me? And I'm here to tell you, I already know you know it, but I want to remind you, there is no God like our God. And hey, listen, nobody knows you like God knows you. And nobody loves you like God loves you. He knows you better than anyone else, and yet he still loves you more than anyone else could possibly ever love you. I don't know about you, but I find that very comforting and also very convicting. He goes on, and in verse seven and eight, he says, let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and who is yet to come. Yes, let him foretell what will come. Do not tremble, do not be afraid, did I not proclaim this and uh, foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No. There is no other rock. I know not one. God says, I, I do not know of anyone who's like me. I, I don't know of any other rock. I don't know of any other shield. I don't know of any other God other than me. And, and I want to just, just uh, uh, submit to you that if God doesn't know of any other God, uh, we surely don't know of any other God. And, and if God says that there's no one besides me, and if he says, hey, if there's anyone like me, let him stand up and tell, so what have you been doing? <laughs> what have you been doing since I spoke the world into existence? Uh, hey, other gods, what have you been doing since I created this whole thing? And again, it's silence. They have no answers because there is no other God. I, I know we, 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 we say there's um, man-made gods, but really they're, they're, they're nothing. They're statues, they're pieces of wood, they're pieces of, of, of plaster, they're images, they're nothing. There is no other God like our God because there is no other God, period. Everyone who claimed to be a God is, is now dead. And listen to even in, in, in the New Testament, in the very last book of the Bible, listen to what it says here. It says, I saw heaven standing open 
And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called uh, Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our God is the, he's above all the kings, he's above all the lords, he is supreme. That's what we're speaking about today. In your your notes, um, says here the question, what makes you think your God is better than everyone else's God? Have you ever heard that? What, 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 What makes you so arrogant to think your God is better than my God. Um, because your God's dead and mine's alive, for one. Amen. Your God's fake and a phony and a fraud and mine's real, for another. Your God is a God that you made up in your imagination and my God is a God who revealed himself to us. And it goes on and has several things, qualities of God, uh, attributes of God, things that God has done and says and is that just, just for a little taste for you to look at here. Uh, we, we'll not go over all of them. But in essence, he's saying here that we worship a sovereign God of the universe, one who created all things. So that word sovereign. Uh, on the inside of your bulletin, it gives a few definitions and a few explanations of what sovereignty means. Means he's above or superior to all others. He's a chief. He's a supreme. In rank and power and authority. The so synonyms means that he's a he's a ruler. He's ultimate authority. He's in control. Do you understand that God says that he created the world? He he, he made the world. He made the galaxies. He just spoke it into being. And now it says that he also controls it. He's in charge of it. Not only did he create, not only did he make, but he also controls. He's the absolute final authority. There's nothing that happens that he doesn't know about. There's nothing, hey, there's no thought you think that he doesn't know about. There's no hurt that you experience that he doesn't know about. In fact, here in your notes, it says the sovereignty of God is that which separates the God of the Bible from all the other religions, all of the truth claims, all of the philosophies. <clears throat> I, I've said this many, many times, and I, um, I, I can't think of a better way to, to, to talk about God, but to say, you know, all other religions, they have a system to where you work your way to heaven, or you work your way to experience their God. Christianity is different in all of them in that that God is so holy and so perfect and so just that there's no way we could ever work our way to him. There's no way we could ever make it. There's no way we could get to him. There's no amount of good that you can do. There's no amount of, 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 of being nice and kind and all of these works you can't, you, you'll never get to him. And God knows that. So instead, our God doesn't say, you come to me. Our God, he, the Bible says that he came to us. And he revealed himself to us. The Bible says that he came as a babe in a manger. He strapped on flesh and he came and he walked among us and he he dwelt among men. 
And then he gave his life and he died for us so he can redeem us so that we can become more like him. He became everything that we are so that we can become everything that he is. Yes, he rules and he reigns. And C.S. Lewis is here and he notes, he says, nothing will come into my life that he did not either allow or decree for my ultimate good. I want us to think about that for a few moments. There's nothing that God, or nothing that happened to us or come into our life that God did not either allow or decree. Decree means it's his will. In other words, something that happens to you, it's God's will. God said, this is, this is what I'm going to uh, let happen to you. This is what I want to happen to you. This is what I want for your life. That's what he's de- decreed. He preordained. But there's also things that he allows to come into our life. If God is sovereign, and if he's truly over everything, then yes, he does have to allow certain things to happen. And I... I think that's where we as humans, we kind of start thinking, well, you know, God, I have a problem with that. I I have a problem with that because I don't like what you allowed to happen to me, God. God, what you allowed to happen to my friend, what you allowed to happen to my spouse or to my mother or to my, my, my parents, God, I don't like that. And God, if you're really good, and if you're really a, a loving God, and if God, if you really could have stepped in and intervened, God, you would have. God, why did you allow this happen? How many times have we heard that just in in our lifetime? Why did God let this happen? One answer is I don't know. And that really brings us to the two questions on the inside of your bulletin that I want us to think about. I mean, I know there's a lot of things here in your notes, but this is for your benefit. You can take it home and you can look at it. And I know some of you say, I don't like homework. I, I know, I know, I know. But listen, the Christian life is not a playground for a bunch of sissies. It's a battleground for a bunch of warriors. And, and you have to do a little bit of preparing if you want to get in the battle, okay? Okay, couch potato. I mean, spiritually, <laughs> we've got to get in the battle. And so we're giving you a lot more than I can give you in 30 minutes. Now, we could stay here for an hour and a half and I could give it to all to you. Or I can just say, hey, here it is. You, you take it and kind of maybe run with it at home a little bit. And I think you prefer the second. Two questions. If God is sovereign, why does he allow evil, pain, and suffering? Why does God allow evil? Why does he allow pain and suffering. If God was really in control, if he could really stop it, surely a good God would. Have you heard that before? I hear it a lot. See, the answer is um, one, that God created everything perfectly. Without sin, without, without corruption, without evil, God also gave men and women humanity. He gave us free will. He gave us an option to choose. He didn't want to create a bunch of robots that had to love him, that had no choice. But it, would it really be love if he had no choice? 
I mean, husbands, if your wife said, you're going to love me and it doesn't matter if it's, even if it kills you, you're going to love me. Would that really be love? No, I'm, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to answer for you. No, that wouldn't be love. And so God created us as, as individuals that he wants us to love him. And so, yes, he's holy. Yes, he's perfect. Yes, he's sovereign. Yes, he knows all things. Yes, he controls all things. But within his sovereignty, he divinely and sovereignly chose to give you a choice. And back at the beginning of time, Genesis, in the very, very beginning, I mean, just, just a few weeks old, and men chose the wrong thing, and we, uh, sin entered in, and evil entered in. There was no sin, there was no death, there was no sickness, there was no evil before man sinned, Right? And so from then on, we've, we've had an enemy. And from that moment on, we've lived in a world full of sin, tainted by sin, tainted by evil. And yes, sometimes bad things happen just because we live in a bad world. Sometimes bad things happen because we still make bad choices, don't we? This means yes, this means no. We still make bad choices. And sometimes the repercussion of those choices are bad things happen. Even if you don't make a bad choice, Adam and Eve made it for you a long time ago. So we live in a sinful world. We live in a world full of evil, and we live in a world full of the enemy. And listen, if God didn't allow evil to exist, would we really know that he's good? If, I mean, if he didn't allow the devil sometimes to, 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 to do bad things, would we really know, answer to prayer, would we really know that there is good? So God does allow those things. A, a, a good example of it would, would be in the book of Job. We're studying the book of Job on, on Thursday mornings in our men's group, and we, we've learned that he... he he really didn't do wrong, but the devil attacked him. And God says, okay, devil, I'm going to let you, but you can't do this. You see, God was still in control. God was still sovereign. Devil, I'm going to let you touch him, and, but, but that's it. But we do have an enemy here in this world. Sometimes it's not because of sin, just because we have an enemy who hates us. And, and hey, in, in the book of Luke, there's a story that Jesus comes upon this, this blind man who had been blind from birth. And the people ask him, said, hey, Jesus, why is this man blind? Who sinned? Did he sin or did his parents sin? Whose sin caused him to be blind from birth? And Jesus says, neither one. It's not because of any of their sins. He says, come here, watch this. I'm going to show you why, why he's blind. And he heals the man. He says, that's the reason he's blind, is so that my name could be great. So that I could heal him, and so people could see my greatness, and so people can witness the glory of God working through me. We don't understand. God has a purpose. 
And so even though we don't always understand, we do have to trust and say, God, I know that you're good. God, there's no doubt in my mind you're holy, you're perfect, you're sovereign, you're in control. And yes, I understand, God, that you do allow evil. And yes, I, I do understand that it's for a greater good. And I trust you. Consider this in Romans 8:28. For we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say all things are good, okay? I, I, I admit that, that sickness is not good. But somehow God works good out through that. I admit that, that bankruptcy and, and loss of job and, and, and the, the, the economy sometimes, I, I, I agree that sometimes politics and all those things, they're, they're not always good. But God is good. And he can work out good. If you just trust him and love him. And the next question that sometimes is asked is this. Well, if God is perfect and God is holy and God knows all things and controls all things, what does that really do for our free will? In, in, your, in your bulletin, it's worded like this. If God is sovereign over all people, events, and history, does this make a sham of human responsibility? Does God's sovereignty overrule man's free will? I mean, let, let, let's think about it. If God really knows everything is happening, <laughs> why should I worry about life? I mean, if God knows, hey, if it's going to happen to him anyway, you know? I mean, if God knows, why, why, why do I have to do anything? I mean, hey, if God knows all things, why should I even pray? I mean, God knows the answer already. He knows if he's going to say yes or he knows if he's going to say no. Hey, if God's perfect and sovereign, he's going to do it anyway. But listen, that's, again, God's giving you free will. So God knows what he wants to happen, and he looks down through history, and he sees what will happen, but he's not made you a robot. He's not said, Doug Miller, you have to do this. He's, he's not done that. Okay, he has given you free will. And because I want you to write this one word down, and I want you to get this, because it's key and everything hinges on this. Write the word relationship. Relationship. Why should you pray when God already knows the outcome? Because he wants you to have a relationship with him. He, he, he's your heavenly father. And, and, and he wants you to come to him in a relationship. He wants you to, to be dependent on him. He wants you to, to, to love him. And it's about a relationship. It's not about a religion. If it's about a religion, then I agree. Why pray? But it's about a relationship. God does say there's some things that he's just not going to do until you pray. Consider uh, this passage in Matthew. Matthew 23, verse 37. Here Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, she who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her 
How often, listen, how often I would gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Yet, listen, yet you were not willing. And this is his people, his chosen people, who rejected him and who killed those people that came to speak about him. Do you think God wanted that? Do you think he wanted Israel to reject him and kill people that came and preached the good news? No. He says, how often, how often I would wrap you up and love you and protect you and guard you and just have an intimate relationship with you. How often I wanted that. But Israel, you would not. You said no. You see, the truth of the matter is, God has special blessings for you, but you can say no. He says, I want this for your life. This is my plan for your life, but you can say no. Either either through your actions or, or through your omissions, you can say no. That's not what I want. And so, as, as before we go into thinking about how should we respond to God, I, I've got a quick video I want you to watch. I think I've got it on here right. Yes, there it is. Okay, watch this video real quick. Did you know that God has numbered every hair on your head? That's what the Bible says. He knows every little line on your hand, every swirl on your fingertips, each dash of color in your eyes. He knows because He made you. Your personality, the curve of your smile, the sound of your laughter. Did you know that the power that made you is the same power that created the whole universe? All that is, is because of God. He made it all. The Bible calls him a great king who rules over all the earth. God hung each planet, each star, precisely in its perfect place. He is Lord over the flying meteors and the burning suns and galaxies whirling through the heavens. He has his eye on the great events of history and the small ones, no detail escapes him. The Bible says not even the tiniest bird falls from the sky without him knowing it. God holds everything in his hand, every second of your life, your hopes and dreams, your hurts and fears. From every breath you take to every exploding supernova in the universe. The big word for all of this is that he is sovereign. He knows everything and he is in complete control. That means there is no problem that you have that is too big or too little for him. 
and you can always count on that. God is sovereign. right, God spoke the world into existence. The same God that spoke the world into existence, he made you and he, the Bible says he, that same breath that he spoke the world into existence, he breathed life into you. And that same God that is in charge of the universe and making sure that everything functions perfectly, the same God that makes sure that you, your body functions perfectly. And that same God is the same God that wants to have a relationship with you. And it's the same God that has given you a choice. He wants you to choose him. Because, hey, listen, from the foundation of the earth, he's already chose you. So God like that that is sovereign, how should we? I mean, that just blows my mind that the God that is over the universe and galaxies, he also cares about my life. My little piece of the universe, he cares about that. He cares about my, the heart's desire that I have right here. How should I respond to that? And in your bulletin, in the, the, the blank spots on the back page here, we, for, we find that first of all, <clears throat> we should bow before the God of this universe, the king of this universe. That's right, we should bow before him. And we should do so with absolute surrender of all that you are and all that you have. Absolute surrender. You notice every week, every week is talked about how do we seek God? We surrender ourselves to him. How do we experience the goodness of God? We surrender ourselves to him. How do we respond to the, the sovereignty of this God that is so amazing that our minds can't even understand? How do we respond to that? We surrender to him. I think there's a theme going on here, if, and I'm hoping you're picking it up, that God wants you to just say, God, you're God, and I'm not. And I'm going to quit trying to control my life, and I'm going to let you have control of it. I don't know about you, but that's hard for me as a, as a person to do. It likes to be in control. It's hard for me to say, God, you can just have control. No questions asked. That's the reason I encourage you when we have an invitation in a moment, would you just come and say, God, I bow before you, and God, right now, right here and right now, I lay my yes on the altar. God, I don't have a clue. I don't know what you're going to ask me to do. I don't know what you want out of my life, but God, it's yes. God, whatever you say, yes. God, whatever you ask, yes. Before you even ask it, God, yes. Because I'm not going to debate you. I'm not going to try to 
try to uh, persuade you a different way. Whenever you say yes, or whenever you say do this, I say yes, and I'm laying it before you right now, God, whatever it is, yes. A few weeks ago, as we're having our Tuesday morning men's prayer time, Stuart prayed a scripture, and, and it stuck with me, and I said, what's that scripture reference? So he gave it to me, and I, I looked it up, and I've, I've, I've been praying it ever since. I've been praying it, and I've been memorizing it. We, 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 my wife and I, we have it on our mirror on, at the house, and I, I was driving our car the other day and put the, the, the visor down, and there it was taped to the visor, and, and, and we're just, it's because I, I, I thought, man, Stuart doesn't realize it, but that's, man, that's, that's something I want. It's Isaiah 26 and verse 8. And it says, Yes, Lord. Walking in the ways of your law, we wait on you. Your name and your renown is the desire of our heart. Yes, Lord. Right there. And stop there. Yes, Lord. Whatever you say, yes. And yes, Lord, as we're, uh, 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 we're, we're walking in obedience to the ways of your laws, and as we're walking, and as we're saying yes, Lord, we're waiting on you. Faithfully waiting on you. Because, God, the desire of our heart is that your name be made great. Your glory be made great. I challenge you to pray that for a few weeks. Meditate on it. See if it doesn't change your life in some areas. So su just surrender to the Lord. Say yes to him. And, and this is probably the hardest one. I almost deleted it and left it out. But you had a blank spot in your bulletin. I had it. And that is absolutely refuse to worry. Oh, oh, that hurts. That steps on my toes. Absolutely refuse to worry. I have to, I have to tell you, your pastor doesn't have that in perfected yet. Okay? I want to, but I don't have it perfected yet. I'm working on that. Okay, he's still working on me. So, so would you join me? Maybe you're, maybe you're one that says, hey, I don't worry about anything. That's, that's, that's good. I probably worry enough for both of us. A lot of the worrying is about you as well. But if God is really sovereign, then we know we can really trust him. Then, hey, it doesn't mean not to be concerned about things. We should be concerned about things, but it means don't be overly anxious. Don't be consumed with. Don't let it just absolutely dominate your, your thoughts. Yes, have concern, enough concern to take it to God and then trust Him with it. And then worship God for who He is and not merely for what He does. Worship God for who He is, not what He does. Not just what he gives you. And boy, how many times do we, when things are going good, we say, 
how you doing? Oh, I'm highly blessed and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and highly fa- fa- favored. Yeah, that's me. Blessed and highly favored. Things aren't going good. How are you doing? Oh, not too good. Or, or, or do we really worship him because of who he is and not just what he gives us? Wow. In closing, I want to give you this scripture. Hebrews 13, 15. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is, the fruit of our lips that confess his name. What is a sacrifice of praise? I think it's this. That you're still praising God even when you don't feel like it. I don't know about you, but that's a sacrifice for me. Whenever things are going bad, whenever I don't feel like praising God, but I praise him anyway because of who he is, not because of my circumstances. I say, God, this isn't good, but I know you're good. And God, I praise you anyway. I mean, how do we respond? Whenever God doesn't answer a prayer the way we want him to. How do we respond when things go wrong, when things go bad? How do we respond when we get bad news from the doctor or from the job or from the government or from whoever? We get bad news. How do we respond? Is God still good? Is he still holy? Is he still perfect and sovereign? Yes. So let's give him a sacrifice of praise even in those moments. It's easily said. It comes off the lips real easy, but it doesn't always um, go so easy in application. So I I pray that you and I, we we practice that together and we begin to try to apply that together. Because God, you're still holy and you're still perfect and you're still sovereign and you still control all things and you still know what's best. God, I trust you. So let's together bow before him and lay our yes before him. Maybe he's calling you for salvation. Maybe he's asking you, will you trust me to be your Lord and Savior? And maybe you just need to say, yes, I trust you with my life. I surrender my life to you. Maybe he's asking you, would you trust me with your relationships? Will you trust me with your school? Would you trust me with your work? And will you trust me with your finances? Will you trust me with your children? Will you trust me with this circumstance? Will you trust me with your problems? And we just need to say, yes, Lord, I know you're Lord and you're sovereign. You're perfect and holy and you know better than I do. And I I, I lay it before you and I worship you and I offer you a sacrifice of praise. And I say yes to you. I want to invite you to come. And as we pray, I want to invite you just to come in response to a holy God who's sovereign and perfect in every way and surrender to him. Father God, I love you and praise you. And Father, we just stop and we worship you, God. We confess.